God is love. How many of you guys have heard that? God is love. And does he change? says he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has no shadow or turning. What does that mean? He's constant, right? So God is love. Now, if you say that to most Christians, here's the very next thing out of their mouth. Hey, God is love. Then what's the next thing out of their mouth? He is also. <laughs> he is also just, right? And I, I would just challenge you to go do this. I go, uh, the apostles and the early church fathers taught union. They didn't teach separation. In fact, if you go read the Nicene Creed and, and everything else, is they believed that, the, the, that God was in Christ reconciling the creation to the world is what we see. So the apostles and the early church fathers taught union, and it wasn't until around 400 AD, Jeff, we and I were just talking about that, where Augustine and some different Greek philosophers came in, and they started this concept again that God's on this mountain and he's mad, which every religion has, right? God needs to appease, be appeased, he's angry. But scripture says, you know what, God, God is perfect love, and he never keeps a record of wrong. So it's really started me to question this. Then when I really started digging, and uh, the early church fathers, and a lot of, if we grew up in the West here, this separation happened around 400 AD, that the early church fathers taught union. It wasn't until around 400 AD that Augustine and others started to teach God is separate from man. They really started to take in Greek philosophy. And that's what, uh, what Paul was, was writing to Timothy. He said, Timothy, beware of philosophy. Don't let it creep in. And don't let man's traditions creep in. Contend for the faith that was delivered for you. And their early faith, the fathers, and you'll see that half of Christianity never believed that we were separate from, from God. We all did because the Latin, we all came out of with Catholicism, Methodist, Protestant, etc. We all believed we were separate from God and we had to do these steps to get back in. Isn't that pretty much it? Uh, like Abram, came Abraham, Every, every culture, there was a God on the mountain who was angry, and they all did child sacrifice. And that's what all, every religion still does it. It's fascinating to me. And so God comes to Abram and says, listen, I'm going to be different. I'm going to come and sacrifice myself. I don't require your sacrifice. See how he was different to Abram? Because all religion taught, you know what, you got to go appease this guy who's angry up there, and he's on the mountain, and there's fire, and there's hail, and there's storms, and lightning, etc. Yet said Moses went up there. The Israelites were scared. They, they laid down. Doesn't that sound like Adam and Eve? We think God's mad at us, but God is love, period. So why am I teaching all this? I'll, I'll be done with a lot of this here this week. Here's why I, here's why I believe. If we've, if we've listened to the love code, the healing code, um, uh, Carolyn Leaf, we all know this, guys. We were created to be loved. Isn't that true? In fact, if you take most kids when they get in trouble, the biggest indicator, you guys know what it is, what they lacked? They left a father figure in their house that unconditionally loved them. That's the biggest indicator, honestly. And so here's the thing. When kids feel honor, when they feel loved and secure, et cetera, it doesn't mean they're not going to get in trouble, because I did. Is, uh, uh, but I got a lot better chance of coming back because I trust my dad. Does that make sense? No, I didn't grow up with that. My wife knows that. I'm not going to tell that story. But <laughs> So anyway, uh, I, I understand. So all of a sudden... We believe now the Father, the, the unconditional love of the Father. Now, all of a sudden, this philosophy starts to creep in that God's over here and we're over here and he's angry. And, and Jesus needs to, good thing that Jesus stepped in because God was really angry and he was ready to slap us, but Jesus we like because, whoo, save me. Does that make sense? Yet it says God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were one. So God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself is what it says. So did Jesus ever become un-God? No. 
So when he's hanging on the cross, who was he? God himself is what it says. Does that make sense? So anyway, why am I teaching all this is because when your heart has fear, it literally shuts down. And that's why scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the boundaries of Zoe, out of uh, boundaries of life, of Shalom in the Old Testament. How much, ex- how much of the uh, life you're going to experience is the condition of your heart. We try to do all these external things, demons and deliverance and all this stuff, yet we don't take care of the fundamental thing that God loves you and you can trust him. He loves you unconditionally. You know how he's going to respond to you. He's going to respond to you with love. He's going to respond to you with favor. He's going to do nothing but honor, bless you, despite you. Now I can have a relationship with somebody who's unconditional. Does that make sense? And we even know that in the, in the, uh, in the natural is if I, was, if I was really volatile and I came home every night screaming, could she really trust me? Yet that's how we picture God, most of us that grew up in the Western evangelical. So around 1000 AD, Anselm and Calvin, I grew up Calvinist, I grew up Dutch Reformed. So, well, I was actually kind of a, more of a mess. Because uh, <laughs> here's... Here's, this is why I don't like you're in and I'm out that most Christianity teaches or any religion really. I'm the right one, you're in, I'm out. Where I like, I like scripture where it says God was in Christ reconciling the entire creation to himself. Amen? Because my father was Catholic, my mother was Dutch Reformed, so they loved each other so much my grandparents didn't come to the wedding. How's that? Doesn't that sound like nice loving family? Like, geez, religion just messes things up so much because it's, it teaches separation from God that God's mad and you need to appease him and we're the one where it says, no, God loves you unconditionally, comes down, and he does it for you so that he can have a relationship with you again. So around 1000 AD, Kelvin taught penal substitution. Now, you know what penal substitution is, don't you? Penalty, penal, right? That um, God's mad. He was keeping a record of sin, even though scripture says he's love and he never does. It was interesting when he started doing that, but around 1000 AD is when it started to really become accepted. And so 1000 AD, Calvin taught, hey, God's so angry, his wrath needs to be appeased. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because he had to pour out his wrath. And guys, almost every major ministry that, uh, that I've watched in the West teaches this. I don't think you can ever have a secure heart knowing that, okay, God is so angry that he killed another kid. And now he's like, okay, now you can trust me again, because my anger is appeased. Guys, the early church fathers, they did not teach that. They taught victory over what? Sin and death. They go, the cross was, I'm going to die your death, and I'm going to create new creation. I'm going to die your death. So guess what you have to look forward to? If death is gone, what do you have to look forward to? Life. That's what it was. That's what, that's, that's, uh, that's what it was all about. So it wasn't until about 1000 AD that we started introducing into the Christian world this angry God that needed to be appeased. Up until then, it was... He's conquered sin and death. He's set you free from the law of sin and death. He's, death, and, death is over. Death wears your sting, all the things that we teach. Does that make sense? Does this make sense to you? And it doesn't sound like a, a big deal, but it's a really big deal. It's a big deal because your heart really can never trust him. So we start inventing all these things. So we replace the Father's love with how much faith we have. So how much faith we have is what's going to produce, yet it says, no, it's the condition of your heart is how much life you're going to experience. And we know that we were designed to operate in perfect love, so if we have fear and torment, how, how good is our heart going to produce? Not very good. It's not going to produce. It says, you know what, when you, the people that hear the good news and believe in their heart, that heart, that soil is going to produce 30, 60, 100 fold. Does that make sense to you guys? 
So scripture says this, it says, listen, your heart once purified from an evil conscience, what's evil? You guys have heard me talk, talk about that enough. Works-based, I need to work myself back to get appeasing to God. Now, does it produce all kinds of craziness like we saw in Las Vegas? Yes, guys, when the human heart, and we were talking to our friends this week, and I said, you know what? But for the grace of God, there goes all of us, because all of us have the capability to go do that. If we feel rejected, if our heart gets so hard that we don't know he loves us unconditionally, that's why you see most religions, there's all kinds of torment, and people are killing people because their God's right, and I'm out, and you're in, and I'm out. I just hate it. I hate it. I love, I, like, I love our true message is the good news of reconciliation, because the goodness of God leads to what? Changing your mind about who God is. Does that make sense? The goodness of God leads to the change. The goodness of God leads to change. So it says, so share the goodness of God. Not, you're going to burn in hell. Because it says, I didn't give you that spirit. That spirit causes what? Torment. And torment causes fear. And guess what fear causes? Death. Your heart doesn't work anymore and you start, your body starts to malfunction. You, you're not nearly as prosperous as you could be. You don't believe God's good. You don't believe he's blessing you. So you do all these religious works to try to get you to bless you. And yet he just wants to bless you unconditionally. Does, does that make sense? So I'm trying to get, ah, oh, you can trust this guy. He's a good guy. Not, not Jesus. We always believe Jesus was a good guy, but the father's actually a good guy too because they're one. Does that make sense to you guys? So let's go to the next slide. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. Um, and so the, the natural reaction to this is just like when Apostle Paul preached this is when you start to teach what, what scripture actually says, they call you a universalist right away. Does that, does that make sense? And, and in my mind, here, it's kind of funny. So let me clarify to all of you guys. And we talk about this all the time. Like, why does everybody do that? Yeah, here I am doing it. Because everybody's like, well, what does that mean? That if everybody's in Christ, then they're all saved? Kind of. But it doesn't let us go there because we still have a will that we can go, I reject his infinite love. I just don't believe very many people when they see him face to face are going to reject his infinite love. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. And we talk about this all the time is a little kid can understand the gospel, guys. A little kid can understand. So think about a little child like Jeff and Jen. Hey, when was your baby born? Third. Four pounds something. Just under four pounds. Little guy. But he's doing great, right? Do you name him Mike? Okay, you can change it. You just cross it out later anyway. No, what's his name? Joseph something. Joseph William. No, that's beautiful, man. So you take this precious little baby, and because we don't understand all this scripture, that Christians invent this thing like, um, okay, he's saved because none of, none of our hearts as humans can go, what if, what, if a, what if a four-year-old gets hit by a car? God forbid. Our heart just down allow us to go, God, you know what? If he's pure love, then think of it as your child or grandchild. And you lost one. Some of you guys may have lost one. It's hard to reconcile a loving father because he didn't say the magic words. He's going to put him into internal flames, into a rotisserie for the rest of his life. Can we even... That's why I go, most evangelism has created a lot of atheists. Because they go, My, I, can't, I, can't, I can't love a God like that. And I can't either. And you know what? You're hearing God. It says, all will know God is what it says. That's common sense to us. Yet we invent these things like, well, uh, they're saved, but until they get to the, uh, the what, do they, what do they call it? Um, 
the age of consent, now they're unsaved. That open, it makes no sense exactly right, but we all ate it. We all go, yes. And now I just question all of it. I go, no, wait a minute. The gospel says all are in Christ. Now, does the world believe it? No, that's why we share the good news. But we don't share with them, hey, you're going to burn in hell. Does that make sense? If you don't say the magic words, that's not what we share. It says share the good news of reconciliation. You guys understand this? Now, I know some of you guys get mad at that because you want hell badly. For whatever reason, I don't understand it. But it's like, well, that's the truth. No, Jesus was the truth. It says he was grace and truth. Amen? Did he, did, he, did he condemn anyone? No. It says the Father gave all judgment to the Son, and Jesus comes along and he says, I didn't come to judge anybody. I came as Yeshua. I came as the Messiah to save everyone. And it says God's will is that none should perish. Do you think maybe he might accomplish it? I hope. I believe that, but I... But I, see, I believe his love endures forever. It says his anger, his wrath is but for a short time. See, I believe when, when people come to the mercy seat, do they actually come to the Bema seat of Christ? I don't care who you are. When you, see, when you see him without your veil is what it says, and you see perfect love faith to faith, I don't believe that you're going to go, no, I'd rather go somewhere else. But, so I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go, hey, what if, what if, See, we, we believe the parables are real, but we don't believe Scripture's real. Does that make sense? So we believe Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham, but you know what the bosom of Abraham even is, guys? You know what a bosom is in the Old Covenant? Huh? Yes, yeah. It's, well, it's a little purse that goes right on their chest. So if we're going to take the last, you guys know the whole story about Lazarus, right? The rich man and Lazarus. So Jesus is going, hey, I'm going to give you a parable. Is uh, There was a certain rich man, it's really the kings and priests, and Lazarus was outside the gates, etc., and he was, dogs were licking him. Follow me? And so, anyway, it says, hey, here's this parable. They both die, and the rich man is where? Over here. And it's hot, and he goes, I wish somebody could just dip, my, dip their finger in water and touch my tongue with water, which, uh, there's, that's, there's all kinds of symbolism in that, too. So, if we believe that's real, where there's real torment, then we got to believe the other part's real, that Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham. If we're going to take it literally, then we have to, if we're, if we're not going to, if we don't take it as a parable, which scripture says it is a parable, but we take that as real, and then when, we, when, when plain scriptures come around, we go, no, it can't be, because our parable's got to work. Does that make sense? But the bosom is this little, like, men's purse that they clear close to their heart where they put their close things to them, which Europeans still do today, Right? So it's a little pouch. So if you want to take it literally, Lazarus is in that little pouch, his head sticking out of their little purse. <laughs> and I'm telling you, people will defend that till nothing. I don't, I'm like, what? No, you're missing the whole point. Follow me? So I'm just going to read scripture, and I'm going to, I'm going to go through this, and you, you take what you want out of it. I take the good news. See, the gospel to me is not that people are out or in, the gospel of me is all were in Christ. He reconciled the, all the nations to himself, but do they know it? No, so they still have this sense of God, almost everybody does, that because we ate from the wrong tree, that God's mad at us. We all have that in us, right? We do, don't you? And then somewhere around five, six, seven, it says, if you don't say the magic words, you're going to go to this place, and it's going to be eternal flames forever. Now, what does that do to that little child? 
Does that put fear into them? Does that sound good, Reg? Does that sound like good news at all? So if you have half a brain, what do you do? Yes, I'll say those words. Now I'm in. Isn't that what most of us are taught? So I'm, I'm just going to go through Scripture. So I believe the gospel is this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Do, do I believe in Will I believe in hell? Yeah, we'll go through this, but I'm going to teach you what the early church fathers taught about hell and the Orthodox and the, the, not what we were taught in the West. Very different definitions. Heaven and hell were in Christ. Both were in the same place. It's whether you accept the Father's love or not. And if you don't, if we don't feel loved because we're designed to be perfect love, guess what it feels like to us? It's pain, guys. It's pain. That's why just, we were watching the service of this guy and he was like, um, do I believe in hell? Yes, I was in it most of my life. Because we thought God was angry, etc., and we were feeling it. We were feeling this rejection. And if you go look at all of our deepest hurts are either boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, family. Isn't it? The people we're closest to is where we feel the deepest hurt, isn't it? And so then all of a sudden you add God onto that. Hey, God, he's not. He, your wife just left you. Now God hates divorce. He's mad at you too. <sighs> Can't win. Does that make sense? But that's, that's, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I, go, I believe he's unconditional love. So I'm just going to read scripture as scripture. You decide what it says, okay? All right. Romans 5.18. This always troubled Barb and I forever. So it says that the law were types and shadows of good things to come. Does that make sense? But Jesus is the reality is what, what we believe. So Romans 5 says this. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. In Greek, it's pantus anthropus. I kind of cheated, but literally what pantus means is each, every, all. I wanted to title this, when all doesn't mean all. In Western Christianity, that's when all doesn't mean all. So, no, 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 that's not all. It can't mean all. But okay. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to how many men? And anthropus is man, mankind, the human race, including men and women. So, the entirety of the human race, men and women. The first Adam caused judgment to how many of us? All. How many had any choice in that deal? See, this is what we always struggled with because nobody was ever dared to preach this, actually. And so we were like, wait a minute. How can a human, the first Adam, be more powerful than God himself, the last Adam? How does that work? Because we, we easily believe, yeah, we're all sinners, yep, yep. Don't we all believe that? We're all in Adam. Well, how were we that way? We were born that way. True? Did you have any, can any of you give birth to yourself? Sure you can, if you listen to evangelical teaching. You just ask them in your heart, and you're born again. Now, do I believe that? No, I don't believe that. I believe you can experience it when you hear the good news and go, oh, my spirit just resonates with that. You know what resonating is? When you have two wavelengths, right, you have a, a, an inner thing that says, I'm going to put my laws in, my, in your, all, every human being's hearts and minds, and all of a sudden when you hear the good news, guess what happens? If you take two wavelengths, the exact same wavelength and frequency, what happens, Joe? Well, they're in the same phase. Same phase. No. Yes. If I, if I put them literally on top of each other. It amplifies. We start to experience life. Does that make sense? Like, oh, I knew God had to be good. That's what happens. So I'm not denying the experience, because people have experiences, etc. but the truth, all really that I believe is you came alive to the truth about you. Does that make sense? Where it says, hey, by grace you have been saved by what? Faith, comma, 
and that not of yourselves. So whose faith was it? Not mine. Does that make sense? I don't want to get into all the Greek, but literally the Greek tenses are like, from faith to faith. It literally came, hey, from his faith, when you hear the right message, it resonates. Like, oh, I knew God had to be good. He wouldn't kill those kids. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. He, he wouldn't kill anybody. He's not the one causing earthquakes and all this kind of stuff that we believe. You know who's doing all that? Our wrong belief systems, our hearts start to make everything go wacky. Does that make sense? All right, so Romans 5. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to Pantasanthropus, all the human race, resulting in judgment, condemnation, equally so. So if that was true, if one man caused judgment, the old covenant are types and shadows of good things to come instead of judgment, what, what might be the good thing that's going to come? Life. Right? Because if man ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he's going to die. So what does, he, what does God need to come give us again? Life. It's so simple, isn't it? Not a rotisserie. Forever. Where you, you become a hot dog. That doesn't make sense. If you tell a five-year-old kid, I go, here's who God is. He's going to put you in this rotisserie and you're going to become a hot dog and you can never get out. We'll talk about hell and Gehenna and Hades and all these different things. It, it's really fascinating. If you just go do a word search on hell, etc. Like I said, Eastern hell and Western hell are totally different things, guys. So anyway, um, resulting in the condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act. Who's that one man's righteous act? Jesus. The free gift came to... It's the exact same Pantus Anthropus, if you go look it up. All human race, including men and women. Isn't that beautiful? Resulting in justification of life. Isn't that, what the, isn't that what the Jews were after? Hey, we don't, want to, we don't want to have an end. We don't want to have death. And he goes, no, there's going to be a resurrection, right? That's when Martha, when she comes to Jesus and says, you know what, my, if you would have come earlier, he went to die. And he goes, no, 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 I'm the life and the resurrection. I know in the resurrection. He goes, no, 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 Martha, I'm the life and the resurrection. I'm going to be the firstborn of all creation. Because I'm going to recreate it because all men are going to be in me. In fact, creation is going to be in me. Does Scripture say God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself? you got to wrestle with that one, guys. It doesn't fit the Western theology, does it? If he, you know what the cosmos are. You know, what's the cosmos? The Russians call them cosmonauts. Not just you, this little speck on earth. The cosmos. All matter. He's in and through and upholds everything by his word, is what it says. He's in every atom in the universe. Does that make sense? That's why quantum physics works. I don't want to get into all that, but I love that kind of stuff. I really do. I'm like, oh, that's why it makes sense. That's why we can sense when we're around people, we can sense what's going in their heart. Can't you just like, man, there's something going on here that I can feel they're depressed or something. We, we can all feel that. Can't we? Ladies are really good at it. So anyway, so resulting in justification of life by one man's efforts. All. For as by one man's disobedience many were sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. The exact same thing. You guys get it? So if all were in Adam, how many were in the other all? I'm just going to read it. Got it? Okay, next verse. I'm just going to give you, guys, I could give you 30 where all means all. Does that make sense? So I don't want to bore you to death. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam... All, same word, pantus, die. Even so in Christ, how many shall be made alive? God, it says it. Woo! 
good news to me. Isn't it? If all died, so Adam was a type and shadow of the last Adam is what it says. So if all died, then guess what? All shall be made alive. And that, I just put in there that made alive is future indicative passive. So it's indicative means it's an indication of, of what's going to happen. You know what passive means? It's going to happen to you. You can't do it. Passive means I, I'm, I'm the... the Oh, I was terrible at English. That's why. That's um, like this. This is how Joseph Prince teaches it. Okay, he goes. Active means um, I hit the baseball. I'm the subject, and I'm doing the action of the verb. Does that make sense? Passive means I'm the the object of the verb. Is that right? So you're good at it. Yeah. She's she's like teaching our kids like dangling participles. I go, sweet. I, don't even, I learned this at one time. I don't even know what a dangling participle is. No wonder I sucked on English in my ACT and SAT. Like dangling part, and in reality, how much did you really need to know what a dangling participle was? I still don't know what it is. So, huh? That, yeah, I don't want to dangle my participle. That didn't even sound good. So, anyway, thank God that all were in Christ, so I don't have any dangling participles. Does that make sense? So, present Adam, all die. If that's true, equally so, because Adam's a type and shadow of something good to come. It says the old covenant written engraved on stone caused what? Death, but the Spirit gives life. So if we look at anything that caused death, the new covenant, it brings life, which is what the early church taught. Jesus brought us life. He was the Messiah. He was Yeshua. He was salvation. That's why we're thinking, what a beautiful name he is. Then we, then we come back and teach him, no, 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 you can't, you're not in his name. You're not in salvation. You got to jump in because you said the magic words. How crazy, actually, now when I think about it. Like, how can I give, if I can't cause a seed to give any kind of life, I can't take a grass seed and cause it to give life, how in the world am I going to give spiritual birth? Right? So, present Adam all die, even so Christ, all shall be made alive. Future indicative passive, meaning it's going to be, it's going to happen to you. Wow. Wow. So, verse 25. For he must reign till he has put how many enemies? All. It's the same word, Pantus again. All enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So, he's going to reign until every enemy is defeated. And the last enemy is what? Death. So, is he going to reign over death? Isn't that what Genesis 3 taught us? Hey, you know what? God, you're going to eat from these wrong trees. You ate from the wrong tree, so I'm going to take you out of paradise. But I'm going to preserve a way. On the east end, I'm going to put two cherubim and a flaming sword to preserve a way back to the tree of life. Everything was about, see, heaven and hell was not where you're going to go spend uh, eternity. It was about life and death is what the gospel was all about. Hey, we don't want to terminate. We don't want to die. We want to live in God's presence with perfect love forever. It wasn't these separate places that you were going to go. That's literally Greek philosophy. God's over here and man's over here. And unless you say the right things, you're going to go this way or you're going to go that way. The early church fathers taught all is in Christ. The whole cosmos, everything created is in him. Does this make any sense to you guys? So if we believe that, you know what? You're going to go spend eternity with Satan and it's going to be fire for the rest of your life. Were you taught that he's so holy he can't look at sin? So we were taught that we are separated from God. Weren't we? But can, can a creature, Satan himself even, if he's separate from God, can he exist eternally 
without Christ, without God. How can a creature have life if he's not in and through and withholds everything? You guys know what I'm talking about? It falls apart right away when you start actually using your noggin. Follow me? Like, wait a minute. So Satan's as powerful as... No, his kingdom, life, is what his kingdom is all about. Death is actually going to be conquered and destroyed. That's why death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death. I'm going to, death is going to die. There's going to be a termination to death, guys. Isn't that what scripture says? Then the good news that we believe is he's conquered sin and death. It's good. Then about 1000 AD, it's like, no, 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 you're out. He didn't do it. You do it when you say the magic words. No wonder if we're schizophrenic. It's no longer good news, because did I do it right? See, I was taught, well, once you said it, now you're in. You're in the club, right? And let me just tell you, he's going to come after you big time now. Because it didn't matter when you were dead, but now that you're alive, oh, he's ticked now. He's really ticked. Isn't that what you were taught? I hate to even say it, but on that table back there is three things you can pray for the pastor for. I'm like, oh, please. Not me. I didn't put that there. Trust me. No, it's, just, it's like, pray that the enemy doesn't come after me. The enemy's under my feet. Death is the last enemy and it's destroyed. That's it. He did what he said he was going to do. So what's left? Justification of life. We're going to live with him in eternal love. Hallelujah. And you can experience it now. Get it? All right. For he must reign until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. The last of any that will be destroyed is death. That's why it says death and Hades will go into the lake of fire. That is the second death. When something dies, it, what, what does it mean? It's gone. It's terminated, right? That's what the Old Covenant taught. Listen, when you died, they went to Sheol, hell, how, how we describe it, and it was a holding place for the dead. What were they waiting for? Not the hot dog rotisserie. You know, what? <laughs> it wasn't even a concept. We invented that. Greek philosophy invented that because they're misinterpreting parables. In fact, Gehenna, hellfire, literally, if some of you guys go look in Hebrew, Gehenna was the valley of Hinnon underneath Jerusalem, where literally there was just a garbage dump. And in, in the war of AD 70, when the Romans conquered Jerusalem, they literally threw the Jewish bodies there. And he's telling them, listen, it would be better if you got cut your hand off than where you go where the Gehenna fire and the worm never die. Because everything's going to be destroyed when you get thrown into the Gehenna fire. The valley of Gehenna. Anyway, we go, no, that's, that's, you're going to burn forever. No, it was literally a garbage dump that burned forever, and the maggots were eating bodies. So the entire, everything's going to be destroyed when you get thrown into that. You see the imagery? Anyway, the enemy that, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to all, to him, who put all things under him. You know what that word all means? That God may be all in all. I'm going to conquer death and all are going to be in all. My will is that none should perish. I hope he gets it. I believe it. I do too. See, I believe when, it, I believe when everybody, so anyway, go to the next scripture. So oh, I could give you 30 of these. I just, I'm, don't ask, I'm not asking you to believe me because here's what they're going to say. He's, he's a lunatic. He's a heretic. We want our hell bad. And we want to send people there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 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 Like, I want them to be a corn dog. Like, why? 
why, 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 why can't we go, man, God loves all people. And he, all people were in Christ when he reconciled himself to them. Does that make sense? All right, so let's keep going. 1 John 2, 2. I'm just going to get a couple more. And he himself is the propitiation of our sins. You know what propitiation is? Mercy seat. And not for ours only, but also for the whole cosmos is what it says. Well, who's included in the whole, whole cosmos? Everything. That's why it says all things will be made new. Death has been conquered. Life is what we're going to experience. Does that make sense? So, all right, 1 Timothy 4.9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. So who should accept this? All. How much of this should you accept? All of it. No, 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 no. We can't accept what it says. We've got to believe the parable. Oh, that's how I feel, Reg. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of pantos men. All. The whole stinking thing. All men especially of those who believe. Now, isn't that weird? Try to wrap your brain around that one. He's the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. Now, what is that? Isn't that weird? Honestly, well, give me your, give me, what do you think that means? That's right. The people that don't believe a lie, that are experiencing Shalom, they're experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy right now. Don't have to wait till they see the lover of humanity face to face. They can start experiencing it right now. We can start to experience life right now. It's all a condition of your heart, what you believe. That's why I'm trying to get fear and torment out. Get this, this Western idea out. Does that make sense? Now, if you want to go have, live in hell, I guess go for it. But the people who are most tormented are the ones that believe that there's this eternal torment. I'm telling you, when I share this to the sinner, they just start bawling. And there's like this joy. They're going, oh, you mean, yeah, I go, yeah, because he, he wanted to heal your heart where you believe, because we all know that we're not that good in and of ourselves, don't we? And so when you finally come and he goes, no, God was in Christ reconciling the world. He's conquered sin and death. You don't have fiery hell to look forward to. You get to meet him at the judgment seat, the bema seat of Christ. And I believe every knee will bow then. Because I think when then they look at the perfect lover of humanity without this veil, when we see him face to face, is what it says, I just think most people are going to go, wow, you were better than I thought. You were salvation, is his name. Now, can we say that everyone will do it? No. That's why there is a literal hell these descriptions of torment, etc., but it's, they're, 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 it's imagery, guys. It's trying to show you what it looks like. It feels like hell. It says to one person, that's why it says when you, you, know, when you share love to somebody who's not receiving love, you know what it feels like to them? Burning coals on their head. That's why the Shekinah glory, as the Israelites are coming out of, of into, the, uh, into the wilderness, when they're coming out of Egypt, when that, when that Shekinah glory, to them, to the Jews, what did it feel like? Oh, it's warm and safe and cuddly. Oh, this God's good. Does that make sense? But to the Egyptians, what did it look like? Scary hell darkness. Does that make sense? The same Shekinah, the same, the same Jesus, it says God is a consuming fire. So is he fire? Yes, but his fire for us is his compassionate love for us. And it says it burns up all anything manly. It burns up all the chaff so that all that's left is silver and Gold and silver and gold in scripture is always typology. What's silver? Redemption and gold is divinity. 
That's what we're going to experience. All will be before the judgment seat of Christ, is what it says. Amen? And you know what? I think humanity is going to go, ha, ah, I could have been enjoying you for the last 70 years. Yeah, I should have turned off TBN where they're going to say you're going to be a hot dog. Because that caused you torment. At least it does me as a little kid. I'm like, wait, what? I, I was in Sunday school. Yay, we're Jesus, and we're, we're all happy. And then all of a sudden, yeah, but if you don't do it, then... My, my reaction was like, huh? I'm supposed to trust this God? God is love, but he's also. No, he is love. There's no is also. Does that make sense? All right. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things I command and teach. He is the Savior of how many men? All. That's a faithful saying that everybody should accept. Isn't that hard when we grew up in Western Christianity to accept that? And he, Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, he goes, hey, beware, beware of the philosophy that's going to creep in. You guys get it? Okay, last, last couple slides. Go to the next one, Twanov. Uh, this is how the mirror translation. If you're looking for a great translation, guys, oh, man. Francois de Troyes does a great job. He's a Greek scholar, and it's so good because uh, he, I don't want to get into the, I don't even know what the dangling participle is, but he does. So, <laughs> and so I just know when I read it, my heart leaps. I'm like, oh, God, that's such a better translation of that. And then well, this is what we do all the time. Then we go into the Greek and Hebrew. I'm like, oh, it's, no, what we were taught is not there. So, this is out of the mirror. Philippians 2.9. From this place of utter humiliation, they're talking about uh, um, the cross, all right? From this place of utter humiliation, God exalted him to the highest rank. God graced Jesus with the name. What, what's his name? Salvation. God exalted him to the highest. So, the final name, the final name that all humanity is going to be surnamed, the final name that is going to be the family of God, is going to be the name of what? Salvation. That's the final surname. Isn't that beautiful? And we think it's yelling something loud at the end of a prayer. So, God's, how many have taught that? You've got to concentrate all your energy. In fact, it's this outside external things again. If you yell it loud enough, it scares the devil. Jesus! I know it scared us the first time we ever were around. Like, whoa! What was that? I had no concept of any of that. I grew up in a Dutch Reformed church where if you even spoke, you got slapped. You don't even laugh, Dredge. You don't even laugh. Take your gum out. That quenches the Holy Spirit. Stop. So, <laughs> and certainly don't put your feet on the chair. Oh, my mother would slap me silly for that. So, <laughs> somehow all these external things stop Scripture. It's craziness to me, but that's what we believe. So, God exalted him to the highest name. God graced Jesus with the name that is above every other name. So, Every other principle, every other surname, the one that's going to reign is what? Salvation. All right. So God graced Jesus with a name that's above, far above all as well as equally representative of every other name. What is his name? What his name unveils will persuade every creature. That's what I'm just showing you where it says all and every. Every creature of their redemption. So fascinating, isn't it? What his name unveils will persuade how many creatures? Every creature of their redemption. Every knee in heaven and upon the earth and under the earth. What was under the earth? Hell. The underworld. Sheol. Tihom. Gehenna. All these different things that are translated to hell. To the Jew, it was Sheol, where you, where the, where you die until you're re resurrected. There was no concept of the hot dog. 
And I like to make fun of stuff like that because it, it puts it in perspective to me that, gosh, it's crazy, the stuff we actually believed, isn't it? Because if I took a little innocent five-year-old and go, listen, if you don't say these, he has no concept of God that God hates him and if he doesn't say something before he dies that he's going to go get stuck in there. That, is, that, that inspires zero trust in a child. And it also inspires zero trust in an adult. We like to act like we have faith, but we don't. Because faith is just persuasion and trust. Man, I trust him. And that's why Jesus, he goes, listen, I trust you with my spirit and my soul, Father. Because I know you're not going to leave my soul in Sheol, the underworld. Isn't that cool? What his name unveils will persuade every creature. Now, does it say every creature? Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading scripture. All, every, it's in there like over and over and over in the New Testament. What his name unveils will preserve every creature of what? They're silver. They're silver and gold. I'm, I'm, I'm a consuming fire. When you see me face to face, I'm going to consume. And you're going to get through, the, but it's going to be like you just made it through. You know what scriptures I'm talking about, right? It's going to burn up the sticks, the stubble, the hay, etc. You're going to be like you just got through and all that's going to be left is silver and gold. That's actually good news because it takes everything that we could ever do and goes, no, we all get the same thing. You're going to be persuaded of my redemption. Now, is the possibility have to be there because scripture makes it there that somebody could say, no, I see love face to face and I don't want it. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's why we can't say it's universal because it leaves us with questions. But I just like these scriptures. Does that make sense? All right. What is his name? Unveils will preserve every creature of the redemption, every knee in heaven, upon earth, and under the earth, the underworld, Shehom, Teol, uh, all those different things shall bow in what? Spontaneous worship. Woo! Let me go to Revelation. We'll be done. All right. So right here. Oops, sorry, Jeff. I did my little deal. So Revelation 5.13 says, and I heard every creature in heaven and earth. How many creatures? Man, there's that word, sticky word that evangelists don't like. So, I heard every creature. Do you think he means every and all? He might. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and the sea. The sea. The sea was where the devil, where the dragon, where the serpents all came out of, the underworld. Every, every mythology believes that, except the difference here is it's real. Our God walks on the sea. It's under his feet. He doesn't sink into judgment. Jesus literally walks on the sea. He conquers the sea. So it says, every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea and all therein saying to him who sits upon the throne and to lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. At the very end it says, you know what? Death and hell were tossed into hell. And that was the second death. Death died. And at the very end it says, you know what? The gates are open. The gates of what? When, when Jesus went down to Sheol, what, 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 did he, what did he take back with him? He says, I got it now. The keys. He's got the keys. And at the end of, very revel, end of Revelation, what does it say? The gates are open. Hallelujah, man. That's why C.S. Lewis said, if anybody's in hell, he's in there, but the gates are open from the inside. It's by his own will. Not God. My will is that everybody were in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's the good news we need to share with people. Get rid of their fear. Does that make sense? That's why 1 John says, listen, I didn't give you a spirit of torment because torment causes fear. That's not me. I gave you a spirit that says, man, you're my dad. 
and you love me unconditionally. You are Abba, the, the close, loving father. And a little kid understands that, guys. If a, if a father's angry and, angry and yells at him, and he thinks, when I get home, dad's going to give me a whooping, which, does that go, man, we can't wait to see dad. <laughs> see, that's why, little, that's why Jesus said, listen, little kids will understand this. But you don't because you got, the wrong, you got this separation gig going on that came in about 400 AD. You started to believe Greek philosophy that I'm separate from you. And he goes, I've never been separate from you. My wrath was to go get you back so I could love you again. It was to heal your own heart. That you would see my ultimate love would be, I'm going to die your death for you. Every other religion causes a death that you need to appease me. I'm going to die for you to love you. You guys get it? Okay, last slide. You can get to your feet. Uh... 513, and then in 20 and 21 is when they start talking about death and hell were thrown into death and uh, lake of fire, and that was the second death. So death, death, where's your sting? The last enemy is going to be destroyed is death, and it's already under his feet. Does that make sense? But the demons are on top, so you need to pray that, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. All right, so why is this important to me? God is love, and the ultimate expression of his love is the conquering of sin and death. What most of us have been taught in the West was God's angry, and he ticked off, and he had to thank God for Jesus, because otherwise that would have been me. How can we trust a God like that? Or how can we trust that God is so angry with me that this short, how, how long is eternity? It, it's in, we can't figure it out, right? It's like, yeah, it's never, it's like, how do we explain it? That's why it's, in math, it's the infinity sign, right? It's just continuous loop. Yeah. Follow me? And yet somehow this loving guy, if we, if we just made a wrong decision in this short little speck of time that you and I are on this earth, he's going to condemn us forever. That's why the world can't accept that. Because they already know in their heart, it says, all will know me from the least to the greatest. You won't have to have anybody teach me. Everybody will know me. And that's what the world can't accept that. But they, you know what they can't accept? The gospel is the most easy thing in the world if you share it with them. Not that Micah, say the words and you're in. No, you know what? God loves you and you're in. And you know what else it does? We stop looking at other religions and people, etc. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of me, you've done it to me. Because I'm in and through in all creation. Now, do they know it? No, that's why we go share the good news with people. The good news of what? reconciliation that God was in Christ exchanging himself for the world is what it says the cosmos everything and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you were in there so you, have you already been reconciled in, in God's eyes yes did the average Christian know it no they're just worried about getting singed I'm serious what a crazy thing follow me that doesn't inspire trust and confidence in me sorry it just does not so anyway is this making anybody mad I love the guy. It's such good news to me. I'm like, yes, you're in. I don't have to go. Okay, so what do I say? I got to get, get close to him. and I got to build a relationship with him so I can get him to jump in my camp. <laughs> no, I want to love people because guess what? Now when they actually see me, I go, oh, no, no, no. That's what you heard about God? No, man. No, no. He, he, he loves mankind. He died for mankind, not because he was upset. It's because he loved us. All right, so God is love, and the ultimate expression of his love is the conquering of sin and death. Very different from he's so mad that he had to pour it out on Jesus, because that doesn't inspire trust in our heart. He is for you. You guys believe that? Scripture says he is for you. Now, if you've got the God of the universe that's for you, how good a shape are we? 
we're in good shape. See, my heart can trust that. Like, you mean the God who spans the heavens with his hand? He's on my side? <sighs> I was talking to my friend Nick the other day. I said, you know what, prayer, we, we, see, we think prayer is this obedient thing. How much, did you pray today? I won't even ask you because some people are, God, jeez, I forgot. They start feeling guilty. God's for us. Prayer's for us. Do you think God really needs us to pray? No. No. I, I, and I even taught this too. It's like, God doesn't move unless somebody prays. What? It says, when we were still dead in sin, he moved. And he never changes. That's a God. Right, if I, had to wait for him, if I had to wait for me to respond to do, for him to move, that's bad. Follow me? It says, we were the sheep that were out there. He had to become the shepherd and find and people like, I found Christ. You've all heard me say this, but you can't find your iPhone. That's why you have, I find my iPhone. <laughs> we were lost. We were in a condition where there's a great chasm the, the, of, of the parable of Lazarus. But Jesus comes, and he, there's no more chasm. He's, he's taken down the veil between Jew and Gentile. Now there's one. God loves all, is what it says. All nations are in. Does that make sense? Death's been conquered. Hallelujah. All we get is this good guy. Anyway, he's for you, that guy. So now prayer is, Philippians 4 is like, you know what? Be anxious for nothing. And how many things, nothing means just a couple things. <laughs> See, I wish we would take the, the plain scriptures literally and not the parables literally. Because the plain scriptures are pretty literal. They really are. They're really good news if you take them plainly. But your parables are getting you all mixed up. So... It says, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, give them to the king of the universe who's got this deal because I can trust him. But if we still have like, well, I didn't do it right. I didn't hear him right. I didn't obey right. Didn't, there's never trust. And so guess what? We put you to work. Get into the word more, pray more, fast more, do this more to build your faith because it's the currency. No, Jesus was the currency. One man's faith was the currency. By faith, you have been saved and not your own. Amen? And all men were in that. Does this make sense to you guys? I know some of you guys are gnashing of teeth. So when the goodness of God is proclaimed, your heart starts to begin to heal, guys. It literally starts to begin to heal. When you start going, man, somebody loves me unconditionally, I promise you that's what the guy in Vegas needed to hear. And it's radical, guys. People are like, what would you say? I said, you know what I would tell them? I said, you know what? You probably don't believe this. Did you grow up in church? I guarantee you probably heard something bad about God or something, and it hardens their heart to who God is. I go, no, 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 he's, you know what? I said, you're going to shoot these people? Yeah. So here's what I want you to know. Even if you go through with it, he loves you unconditionally. He'll never judge you for it. That starts to change and heal their heart. It's weird, guys. The goodness of God leads them to change. Does that make sense? So when the goodness of God is proclaimed, your heart can begin to heal. You now you can begin to receive. It's the condition of your heart. When you, when you can start to trust this guy who's for you, he loves you. You're all in. Amen? Now your spirit resonates with his spirit and it starts to amplify and it starts to express life in you. Guess what? When your heart starts to heal, you can start to feel love again. You know what it starts to do to your relationships? You start to love people again. You're not so hard. Legalist Christians are so angry. They're so mad. And it says, be careful how you judge. If you're going to judge from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you yourself are going to be judged. Is he judging you? No. He says, I have no judgment. But your condition of your heart's going to realize you're not that good, and you're going to think, I'm better than him. Who's really dying? You are. 
Does that make sense? But if you judge everybody, it says, we no, longer, we no longer know any man because of the flesh, meaning Jew, Gentile, etc. We now, we now judge them all in Christ. That's what it says. Whoa. That's what it says. Hey, do everything to the least. Because as you do it to the least, you're doing it to me because I'm in and through and withhold everything. So now you start to love humans again. You start to love humanity. You start to go, man, you're in. God's good. And you can trust him. And guess what? All these things, all these fruits of the Spirit start to come. You start to become, you guys have read the love code and the healing codes. When your heart gets healed, guys, it says everything explodes in your life. You start to prosper. You start to increase in your, in your relationships. You, everything just starts to explode. Does that make sense? So I'm just trying to get fear and torment out. Reg, you got something I can tell. He's writing on his notepad. So I like this. You can pray again. So, hey, Jeffrey, can you do, uh, let's see, which one is this? Mike three. Okay, don't screw up, Reg. <laughs> No, no pressure. I love this. No, uh, we, we all are in God's breath. So he breathed into Adam's nostrils, you know, and it, and it just stays with all of mankind. It never leaves. Never. He never leaves you or forsakes you or any of that. And there's been so much confusion about wheat and tares. Oh, man, we're the wheat, and uh, those terrorists, those bad guys, they are the tares. They're going to hell you know, in a handbasket. But no, no. What's, it, what's the word say? It says something. Mike probably could quote the scripture, that the angels are going to come at the end and separate the wheat from the chaff. We are the wheat. Every human being is wheat. Every one of Adam's kids is a wheat, and the chaff are those stinking demons. That's, what, that's, that's the worm that's trying to eat us, and God delivered us. When he said it is finished, it is finished. And we are not to judge the other. We are to see them as God's children, God's breath. And when you tell them that, just like Mike says, when you tell them that, their hearts will melt. They'll weep. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I was supposed to... I said something like, uh, oh, I dread the loss of heaven. I was supposed to say this in my first, com first confession. <laughs> I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. And, and I thought, I don't know anything about that. I ignored that completely. No, it didn't even register on my scale at all. I'm seven years old. What do I know about pains of hell? And also, the next part, the next part was, but most of all, because I love you, God, who are worthy of all my love, because you've already loved me. You've already given me all your love. That's all I was doing is returning it back to him. That's what we do when we pray in tongues. People are so confused about tongues. It's just breath. We're just returning the breath of God back to him and something we don't understand. I think the American Indians, when they were chanting, they, were, they, were, they didn't know, but they were praising God. Because they, they, it wasn't a language. Did you ever hear an Indian speak that way? <laughs> it wasn't a language. It was, it was a worship coming from his, the breath of God. Return the breath of God. Here's a little tip. Pray in the shower. It's a mikvah. It is. It, it's a mikvah. It's, it's, mikvah is living water. Water comes in, water comes out. That's what the Jews had. They had this little pool of ritual bathing. <laughs> he looks like a Jew. <laughs> All your people, I mean... All your people are going to, going to be with the Lord God. Amen. All of them, every one of them. 
And these stinking evangelists would get on Larry King and they'd just choke up when Larry would say, where, where are the Jews going? <laughs> and they would say, well, I guess they're going to, these guys would say, I guess they're going to hell. They don't know Jesus. <laughs> I never saw such a more confused bunch of people as these, these Christians that would get on to Larry King. Anyhow, we thank you, Father God, that you have cleared up the mess and confusion. We thank you for Mike. I mean, he's like a gem. He's like a diamond shining in the dark. And, um, and I, I pray for the pastors in this area of Colorado Springs and around this country. Oh, man, just somebody tune in. Tune in. Get your computer tuned to Freedom Ministry and hear these words. Look at, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's breath to your very soul. I mean, it'll feed you. So, Father God, we thank you and just let everybody go out so full of your life because they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.